You're listening to episode 53 with Kenny Thompson Jr., the Senior Director of Government and External Affairs at PepsiCo. This episode is brought to you by WaterNow Alliance. Hi, this is Steve Drangshul, Sales Leader at Brown & Caldwell. This is the podcast inspiring the next generation of water nerds. It's water in real life with my best friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. WaterNow Alliance believes that local leaders hold the keys to our water future. WaterNow is a nonprofit network of over 400 city council members, mayors, water district board members, and utility managers nationwide supporting sustainable, affordable, and community-based solutions to water challenges. WaterNow is a forum for collaborative action and a network for local leaders to learn from each other and connect with innovation. WaterNow provides resources, tools, training, project and policy support, and case studies advancing sustainable water strategies. Its newest initiative is Tap into Resilience, a campaign to accelerate adoption of green infrastructure, efficiency, and other on-site water solutions. So join this unique network of local decision makers leading the way to a healthy and resilient water future for their communities. Visit waternow.org forward slash join or email info at waternow.org. Membership is free and open to decision makers responsible for everything from policy to programs to rates and who are the leading edge for all things water. When you're building relationships, you just want to be an honest broker. Being seen as someone, when they when you walk into the room, people say like, oh, she's honest. Oh, mm. I can work with her. Mm. Oh, she, she's she's trustworthy and she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, I may not agree with everything she has to say, mm-hmm. but I know it's coming from a place of knowledge and experience. One of the things that's really important to Ariane and I is our commitment to not just interview people from the water industry. We strongly believe there is so much to learn from others doing similar things in their own industry. We're all about rogue connections. Hey, connections is one of our core values. We are a quarter way through 2019 and we are in the beginnings of campaign season. I mean, technically, I feel like it's probably already begun, but but we got to thinking, what can we learn from political campaigning that we can bring to public outreach in water? I reached out to my friend and fellow horn frog, Kenny Thompson, who works for PepsiCo now, but spent eight years of his life campaigning and handling public-private partnerships during his tenure in the White House and the Vice President's office. If you're an avid listener of the Water and Real Life podcast, it shouldn't surprise you that it all boils down to, again, knowing your audience and building relationships. Prior to his time on the campaign trail, Kenny worked at City Hall in Austin, Texas. So he gives us some insight into best practices on approaching elected officials and driving policy change at both the local level and on Capitol Hill. This one's a fun one. We did have a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Kenny Thompson Jr. is the Senior Director of Government and External Affairs at PepsiCo, the largest food and beverage company in the United States. He leads PepsiCo's business-wide strategy for targeting, investing, cultivating, and maintaining signature partnerships with external stakeholders to drive positive business and community impact. Before joining PepsiCo, Kenny held several positions in the Obama White House, including Special Assistant to Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr., Senior Advisor to United States Trade Representative Ron Kirk, and Special Assistant and Advanced Lead for President Barack Obama. Kenny spent two years on the Obama for America campaign in 2007 and 2008 as a member of the National Advanced Staff, during which time he traveled to only <laughs> 38 states and over 100 cities. A native Texan, Thompson has a Master's of Business Administration from Georgetown University, and he received his undergraduate degree from my alma mater, Texas Christian University, where he played baseball for the 
horn frogs. <laughs> Kenny is still very active on multiple board of directors and lives with his wife, Jessica, in Washington, D.C. So excited to be talking to one of my former alma mater. former friends? College. <laughs> college. One of my <laughs> former friends. So one of my former hanger outers. Like, we haven't hung out in real life in forever. Penny, Long there's time. so many things I want to put your brain on that aren't involved in this podcast because you ran around with Stephanie in college. Like, <laughs> I did. Wow. I did. Whoa. I remember that crew. I remember that, that crew well. That was before social media, and there's good reason for that. Or Thank there's, goodness. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, I'm, so I'm super stoked to be having this virtual reunion. Kenny is still in D.C., and I am still in Texas. But, you know, thank God for technology. Um, Great. I wish but, I could be there with you guys. I know. We'd be having so much fun. Nice day. It is. Uh, well, like I said, you and I went to college together, uh, but you have had quite the whirlwind career since the last time we hung out in real life. Uh, your bio tells the gist, but you know, what's, what's missing? What, what turn of events led you to the campaign trail and what's the biggest lesson you learned serving the nation's highest office? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, thanks for having me. First off, it's good to of see you virtually. I can't wait to see you in person. It's been like way too long. Yeah. This, this football season for sure. Oh, um, for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, back in college, I studied politics. I was in political science and, and comms. Um, I was a double major. Um, so like I kind of had a political bug pretty early in life. Like my dad was super engaged politically at the local level. And I remember he took me to the vote for uh, pre- he went, took me to, when he went to vote for president, like 1988. And I was, I just remember that experience. Um, so I kind of just like liked politics for a long time and studied in college. And then like afterwards, um, after baseball was over, um, that's like what I wanted to do. I didn't really know how to do it at the time. Um, so I just sort of looked for opportunities to like volunteer and you know do some internships and stuff like that and that's how I got I got the political bug and kind of stuck um ended up working at city hall for uh a city council member back in my hometown of Austin and uh after that I guess it was like during that that was like in 07 yeah it was in 2007 I'd been there for two years it was a great job um but 2007 Barack Obama announced that he was running for president and he came through Austin like on his uh, announcement tour and I had a chance to meet him and I was just like all right like this is my guy I'm not sure if this is going to work out or not but 26 I have a dog and a backpack so like (laughs) got like no real responsibilities (laughs) You know, so like gave my dog to my parents and uh, like hit the road. And like two years later, um, we're in Washington because, you know, we won the election. So like that's really how that turned out. I was like not looking to go. Austin's a great town and I was really happy at City Hall. But like, you know, that's that's how it went down. Life happens. Wow. That's amazing. You've traveled the country, you've traveled the world, you've worked in politics on the local level, the high level, the highest federal level you can get to. Where are you seeing uh, the most progress taking place? Um, I definitely think that the most activity is happening at the local level. Like, 
being in DC, you sort of, you know, it's called the beltway, a bubble for a reason. And you sort of obviously focus on the federal government, but in my job um, at PepsiCo and in my previous job in the administration, I had the ability, the opportunity to go to a lot of different cities and states across the country. And you see a lot of work being done at the local level because they're being forced to act because the federal government isn't doing a lot often. So when it comes to like infrastructure banks and education and, you know, technology and and broadband and those types of infrastructure projects, like water, (laughs) you know, all that work, a lot of that work is being done at the city level. Um, And, you know, I I know that because when I was at City Hall, um, I can say the same thing. We were working on uh, projects that you would think um, would be, you know, championed by the federal government or like paid for by the federal government, but they just like weren't. So cities and towns have to figure it out. So before I think when we talked, you said that being a mayor is the best slash worst job. (laughs) Yeah. So um, really it's best for people trying to move things forward on that local level. Do you think like really building that relationship with the mayor is an important thing to do? I think the mayor is a, a great example, but I also think your city council members, yeah. uh, county yeah. commissioners, um, you know, those folks have a real impact on you know, property taxes, uh, education. You know, a lot of these boards are tied to the school board. So like, you know, you have these folks, uh, you have these people who, where you live and work, they probably have the greatest impact on your everyday life. So I've always thought that, you know, it's funny that the local elections are the ones that people don't pay attention to, but yeah. those are the ones that impact you the right. most, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like every single day. So, um, you know, obviously when a presidential election comes around, everyone gets all fired up, but like we have local elections every year somewhere yeah. in America mm-hmm. and the voter turnout is abysmal. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's actually more important. I don't want to say more important. It's equally important to be engaged at the local level because that's, that's stuff that's happening to you like every single day. Yeah. You raise a good point. Cause we actually just had one of our friends ask us who they should, the local water board members are up for election right now. And we had a friend of ours ask, who should I vote for? So, I mean, when you're in the water world, people just, you know, look to you like you don't have all the answers for all things. So right. for all you water nerds out there listening, make sure you are up to date on your water board folks so that yeah. when your friends ask you for advice, you can uh, tell them who they should vote for. But yeah, things like no, that. No, yeah. I mean, like... The- well, not tell them who to vote for, but like <laughs> tell them who to them, vote for. Tell them who to vote for. <laughs> but like you know, educate them on on the different on the different perspectives, perspectives of what's that going they're on. bringing to the table. That's it's cool. true. Like a lot of these folks are like people who are, you know, you think about when you go vote and you look at the top of the ballot and you know the names of the senators and the governors and the who's running for president or even your member of Congress. Mm-hmm. But then you get down to the fur- further down you get, the fewer people you know. Yeah. And yeah. those are the people who inter- interact with you and your life and your family on yeah. an everyday basis. Yeah. So yeah. it's really important to like know who they are too. Exactly. And um, obviously a big part of that comes in the way that they campaign. And so political campaigns involve getting people to buy into your message, to your platform, your ideas. But, you know, getting people to show up isn't enough. That's not going to get you to win. They have to actually take a course of action. So we try and look outside of 
our industry, at what people are doing in similar-esque fields to learn from. So what's your biggest piece of advice that you can give to folks in water that are trying to also get people to take action? Yeah, I think um, I think finding a similarity in campaign styles. We talked about this earlier or last mm-hmm. week when we're talking about you know, battle initiatives or against like plastic or something um, mm-hmm. or, or any other maybe environmental issue or maybe even workforce development, whatever you name it. Um, building support through a campaign is critical to moving the agenda, right? Like figuring out what motivates people locally and, and showing them how it impacts them on a daily basis, um, whether or not it's in water or any other um, policy issue because once you figure out how once you tap into oh this really matters to me and here's why like that's when you get people motivated and once you get people motivated it's much easier to get them organized yeah um, because then you once you have a have you ever had like a motivated neighbor who just like <laughs> hampers on you about something and then like and then you know about it, you're, you become more aware of it. Right. And all of a sudden, like, it's just like this movement because like this one lady on your block, like cared about like not letting a house get built or, mm-hmm. you know, or opening Don't up. Cut that a tree park. Down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. Like it actually really works right. because that, that group of people um, can go into city hall as a unit as a block of votes, as I like to call them, mm-hmm. um, to their particular like member, city council member, or county commissioner, or even the mayor, and you go in as a coalition, like that's much different than me just going in by myself. Yeah. You know? right. um, I feel that's like a- we're- go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like we're probably the nagging neighbor for everyone that we know outside of water because <laughs> we're you know, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, not throwing a full bottle of water with the cap. Well, we don't want you to throw it away at all. We want you to like recycle it, but you know, dump that water on first though. Don't keep that water trapped in that bottle or whether it's like telling people not to flush wipes down the toilet. Like we're pretty much that nagging neighbor for everybody. But it's also, yeah, it's like, (laughs) that's, that's a good example of what I'm, of what I'm talking about. Like remember back in the day when people were, um, seeing pictures of like turtles with like soda things on their necks. Yeah. And now like everyone just started cutting them, you know, yeah. like it just My mom still does that. And she's yeah, you know, like, the most environmentally conscious person all, that's the, just at like, all the time. But she was, she just pointed that out the other day. Like I'm still cutting my rings. I'm like, heck yeah, woman. <laughs> People just like started to do that. You know, it yeah. wasn't like, um, and it wasn't like a national campaign. There weren't commercials about it. It's yeah. just like through word of mouth and through like education of like, Oh, this is, here's an example of what can happen with this. And once you started showing people that, like people just started changing their behavior. I love it. Um, when I, when you said that about the, the groups, the, what did you say? The block of votes. Mm. I also felt every water utility across the nation shudder because they also call that AKA the mob. Yeah. <laughs> the mob. The angry mob. Yeah. Um, That's why you advocate and build your brand so that they're going to advocate for you and not to be the angry mob. (laughs) Yeah, like I think it's a it's a confluence of like two things, right? You, I know the mob mentality. Like, like I remember at City Hall when there was there were organizations or um, groups of people who would just come in and just like rant 
And like, there was, but like the difference is there are organizations who come in with solutions. Right. A lot of people bring me problems. Like very few people bring me solutions. Mm -hmm. So like be one of those people. Um, I say that to people who work here all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bring me more problems. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I need solutions. So like, I think that is um, a crucial Mm -hmm. uh, component of advocacy and in any concept or any, any direction, because, you know, whether it's at the local state or federal level, like people know a lot of the, A, if you identify the problem, um, like also see if you can identify a solution. And, yeah, yeah. and then your then your point is to figure out how to convince that policymaker that that is the right solution. And if it's not the solution that they can, you know, push wholeheartedly, like what are you willing to compromise on mm-hmm. uh, so they can get through? Don't let my view is don't let the great be the enemy of the good. A lot of times mm-hmm. that happens in in politics. Does that mean like done is better than perfect? <laughs> I mean, it just depends on what your version of done is, right? Like, I mean. <laughs> it's never the work is never going to be done but like mm-hmm. getting stuff done getting stuff done in the right piece direction by piece, yeah moving in the right direction is a good thing yeah yeah now you raise a good point there's i feel like we struggle when i say we i i mean humanity nowadays right. struggles with this idea of compromise it's there's a very um my way or the highway or all or nothing mentality and that's just really not how we have ever gotten anything done so you raise a good point there. Um, and also when you're talking about coming with solutions, being in the water industry as subject matter experts, a lot of times we are the ones with the solutions, but there's very much so this attitude of, they've been the silent utility for so long that for many, it's kind of hard to like step up and there's this fear of, God, if I open my voice, what kind of, or if I speak my voice, what kind of, what am I going to bring back on me? But you raise a good point that it's better for us to be the ones that are coming with the solutions to some of these problems, being the subject matter experts than just to be like hiding and skulking in the back of the council right. chambers because we don't want anyone to see that we're raising our hands. So, yeah. No, it's very, it's very good point. I, I did a, uh, an event yesterday, maybe two days ago, um, talking about the need for affordable, accessible high quality child care and mm. making the business case oh, for it this is completely not about water but it's a good example it's oh, it um, so we had folks coming in from all across the country and I was just invited to talk about what PepsiCo has done in this space and why it's important to our business and our employees and these are folks who aren't like lobbyists they are parents they're child their child care providers they've you know they don't go to Capitol Hill, but yesterday they went to Capitol Hill to talk about this issue. And for many of them it was their first time in Washington, mm-hmm. definitely their first time walking into members of Congress's office. And the day before we just sort of spent the day talking about like what to say and how to do it and how, how to communicate uh, their, their viewpoints. And I reminded them like, when you walk into that room, like you're the expert, like wow. you know more than they do about this issue. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's, you're there to tell them what the deal is. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of people don't think about it in that, in that, uh, that sort of construct because, you know, you're walking to the mayor's office or a city council member's office and you, yeah. you know, but you know more than they do because you work on it every single day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that you have to use that to your advantage. Well, I feel like you kind of softballed me into this next question. Uh, appreciate that. Um, because, <laughs> There is a connection because 
the water industry recently was on Capitol Hill as well. They um, were. So the water industry is facing significant challenges. We have the aging infrastructure that needs a lot of funding. We have the aging workforce. We need to attract next gen to water. Um, and in our opinion, we're not going to solve all these on our own. So WEF is the Water Environment Federation. They just hosted the National Water Policy Fly-In for industry reps to um, speak with members of Congress. And um, we're going to have to see more of this, especially on that local level, to gain support. Right. So what's your advice for communicating water issues to those elected officials and getting that buy-in and that support? Yeah, same thing, kind of kind of just going back to what I just said, like, um, you know, connecting, particularly when you're in, on the Hill, right? Like, going back, members of Congress care about their district. Yeah. Like, talking about things that are happening in Washington, that's cool, that's fine. But, like, at the end of the day, members have to go back to their districts and talk to their constituents. Mm -hmm. So that's where you really want to, like, hammer any sort of – any policy initiatives or what you can do in their community or how you're highlighting something good that they're doing. That's also a, a good tactic, like to give them some credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, um, a lot of times that doesn't happen, but it's also like a, a good, you know, pillar to think about when you sure. are engaging. Um, yeah. It's about like I sort of mentioned earlier about engaging locally, right? Like getting back to thinking about, their districts, their constituents, um, connecting, connecting what is going on in their districts with the local officials, for instance, mm -hmm. the mayor or city council member. So when you're talking to a member of Congress or uh, a senator and you say, you know, I met with the mayor of Fort Worth on this issue and a couple of other city council members and they're behind this proposal, you know, that kind of thing, ah. that kind of thing like perks their ears up because like those are like, you know, those are stakeholders that they have to, you know, work with on a regular basis. And okay. that's back home in the district. And that's, that's matters a lot. Okay. Ooh. So does that kind of go to, I think the last time we talked, you made the point of how people need to have, you said seven to eight touches with a message or, or an yeah. idea before it like really sinks in. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Cause that's something that we talk to people about too. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that. Um, based on the, the campaign stuff. Yeah, and like, yeah. um, you know, when I would say like whenever, Barack Obama did a big event. It was really cool. And like a lot of people went to these, you know, massive rallies, a hundred thousand people. And that's great, great pictures. It shows a lot of energy uh, on the campaign to people who, you know, around the, across the country. But at the end of the day, like those are votes out there that yeah. we have to continue to build a relationship with. And if you let those, pe let those people just come to an event and leave and you don't follow up with them in any way, like that is a, a squandered opportunity. Yeah. So like getting, uh, getting people to, you know, either a attend an event or, or keep on the list that you can continue to uh, share with them information or, you know, whether or not it's invite them to events or go to their, you know, knock on their door or make a phone call. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's how you build a, a, like a, rep, a reputation, like what are you known for and yeah. B like, what do you, what do you stand for? And like, what are you going to do about this problem? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, this takes a while. There's so much out there. I mean, like Twitter and phones and everything, like you have to continually like be in people's face and it's about like making making a mark to where people are like oh yeah that's that's that water thing you know even yeah. if they don't even if they don't like know get it exactly right 
they have an idea of like what what you who you are and what you stand for. Right. So I think about my interaction with some uh, some of the volunteers on a campaign recently, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like also when you're doing when you're doing any sort of campaign, like you can't be afraid to make the ask. Like I feel like nobody, none of those volunteers were afraid to ask me to do something for them, right. whether that was to go block walking or if that was to go take this sign. And so I feel like sometimes we get timid about asking people yeah. to do things, whether even if it's something as simple as sign up for our mailing list, you know? Right. So yeah. I like, like what's the call? To, what's the call to action? Like what is the call to action? Like that's at the end of every, you know, email or, you know, think of all the fundraising emails you get. Like oh, at, yeah. the end of the, at the end, very end of it, it's like click here. Yep. It's like, it's a, what are we asking these people to do? Um, and that's critically important because you can say all the words you want and you're not asking them to do anything. They're not going to. Yeah. But if you, <laughs> but if you ask them to do for something very specific, whether or not it's donate money or, or be on a mailing list mm-hmm. or make some phone calls, you know, that works. And that's getting back to the previous question. Maybe think of something like, think about all the, like I get text messages from Beto O'Rourke's campaign, like hourly. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's super annoying, but it works. You yes. know? Yeah. It works. And yeah. that's how it, that's the more times you ask, the more the likely you're going to get more money because it works. Like I don't. Yeah. We're so busy and every, every person is so busy all day long and yes, it's annoying every time you get it, but I, that annoying um, text message reminded me even the night before, uh, oh, I got to go vote. I yeah. still got to go do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like. No, it's exactly right. Like that, that really works. I mean, yeah. that's, it's, a, it's super annoying, but like <laughs> it just works and like you're more likely to give the next time. Yeah. But I think our generation and younger are kind of used to that. Like it's a level of annoyance that that's, an, you know, we're fine. We, we deal with it. But it, it's funny that you you need to know your audience, which is about to go into the next question. But right. your audience and your demographics and how your tactics are going to vary based on that, because we were actually recently at a conference sitting at a table with some gentlemen who were a few maybe like one few generations passing. Yeah, we'll yeah. give them one. And they were talking about how they would get those texts and be like, delete it. Like it was like annoying to them to the point right. where it like cut them off. Whereas, you know, we spoke up and we were like, well, I mean, that's, I liked it. yeah, that's how we got to right. donate. That's how we were reminded to vote and when things were coming up. So that really goes into uh, the next thing that I wanted to talk to you was, um, uh, we kind of nerded out a little bit on three of at least our favorite topics the last yeah. time. And we talked about the ideas of branding, influence, and audience. And so in your opinion, in your world, how important is that trio to driving change? Yeah, I mean, look, I think think about those three things in, um, you know, like branding, obviously like figuring out who you are and what you want to represent. And mm-hmm. when people say your, say your name or organization, like what do they think of immediately? That's like what particularly when, you know, that's what pops into people's heads. Yeah. Um, And then when you talk about like influence, I think that's about, I think about like building relationships with key stakeholders who influence people, like Mm. whether it's, whether it's, whether it's not even elected officials, but who are the elected officials listening to? Like where are they getting their news? Like who's telling them information? Like those are influences and stakeholders that I think are, are, crucial to getting any sort of public policy done, particularly like at the local level. 
um, because you sort of have to figure out like who are, uh, who's the mayor, who's the city council members, who are they listening to? Mm-hmm. And then the audience just gets back to like what you were just saying, like, like what's the best way to target the different audiences? Like what's the best channel to get a message through? Like for some people, it may be a thousand text messages in an hour. Like for some people, maybe like, you know, like calling them and, or yeah, going to their home, going to their house. Maybe those dudes you were just talking about a second ago would love for you to come knock on their door and talk to them about an issue. Yeah, for you know, sure. As, a, as opposed to like, you know, getting a, a message on the phone. So like figuring out the demographics of what uh, your audience, how they receive information is critically important. I mean, there are, when you're thinking about a presidential campaign, people would talk so much about like for the longest time about how expensive TV ads are. Fewer mm. and fewer people are watching TV. Like right. that's why you're seeing all these digital ads on Facebook and Instagram because as we all know, millennials don't watch TV that much. When they do watch TV, they're skipping commercials. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like how do you get a message across to them and what's the best channel we'll get to connect with that audience? You said one of my favorite, uh, there's this quote, there's this rabbinic proverb that says, do not fear the work that's never, that never ends. And I think you earlier said the work is never over. And every time you talk about building these uh, through influence, you said, you know, reaching out and talking to key stakeholders in that way. But like the, the conversation can't just be like a one and done thing, right? No. Don't you have to like continually be working on building those relationships, especially if you're trying to drive a certain kind of policy or initiative? Absolutely. Like there's going to be two steps forward, one step back sometimes, you know? And like, and, and the thing about it is when you're building relationships, you just want to be an honest broker. Like yeah. you sort of mentioned that earlier, like you're not always going to get what you want. You just won't. And there are going to be obstacles of getting, you know, the policy initiatives completed that you think um, should be. And can, taking that into consideration and not letting the great get in the way of the good um, is crucial, I think, when making sound public policy. Like being seen as someone when they when you walk into the room, people say like, oh, she's honest. Oh, mm. I can work with her. Mm. Oh, she, she's, she's trustworthy and she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, I may not agree with everything she has to say, mm-hmm. but I know it's coming from a place of knowledge and experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really like the kind of broker that you want to be seen as. Um, you just mentioned a little while ago about like the mob and like just sort of being people who like, not you, but just in general, like yeah. just being people who like to just throw bombs, you know? Yeah. Like that's an easy thing to do. Like anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Anybody can kick down a barn door. That's what Sam Rayburn used to say. Yeah. Um, nice. But, you know, very few people can actually sit down at a table and know uh, public policy or a specific issue and be able to advocate for it and and engage with other people thoughtfully. That's That's the hard part. Yeah. It's what true. I want to point out um, when we talked about the three, our three favorite topics is when you, you mentioned branding, what didn't come out of your mouth was branding is the logo that we see on the campaign <laughs> sign. And I, I point that out because especially in our industry, um, you know, branding is seen as, oh, that's my logo. And it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't come to that first initial uh, reaction that you actually pointed out that's no, it's the, you know, 
how does that person, what's the reputation? How does that make, how does that person make me feel? You know, that's the right. brand. That's the brand, not just like the logo on the campaign sign. No, I completely agree. Like the logo is, that's what it is. It's the logo actually like reminds people of what the brand is. Yeah. So like, it's not the brand. The logo says like, oh, I don't like that person or I don't, <laughs> or I don't want that brand yeah. or, yeah. you know, like I'm not buying what that person's selling or whatever. Like that's, that's the logo is like the, the entry point. That's not actually like, mm. you can have a shitty logo and like be a fantastic brand, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, you can. it's just like, you can't can be a really great person. And our, yeah, I was thinking of like <laughs> your face is your logo, your soul is your Yeah, brain. you're, that's, yeah. <laughs> you can be a really shitty person, but. <laughs> okay, let's shift gears for a little bit. Um, talk to us about your role with PepsiCo and the localized approach you guys have taken. Yeah, so I, I joined PepsiCo like six years ago in June. Um, it was uh, hard to leave the White House, but I was ready to go. Um, and I wanted to work for a company that I'd worked with while I was in the White House. Okay. Um, so when I was in the VP's office, we did a lot of work with on public-private partnerships and working with uh, corporations, whether it's on criminal justice reform or environmental, environmental issues, um, workforce development, um, you name it. And I kept noticing that PepsiCo was in all of these conversations. Mm -hmm. So, oh. so for me, that was like actually a pretty easy transition because that's the kind of work I was looking to do. I wanted to be the person at the company that was at the white house talking about these issues. Um, so that's how I got, that's how I chose this company. Um, and you know, over the course of my time here, we've really tried to really focus on our local markets. Um, you know, being here in DC, like I said earlier, sort of for, you know, you sort of get caught up in this, you know, DC beltway, uh, everything's talking about the presidential election. Um, but at the end of the day, like the vast majority of our 110,000 employees are in the cities and towns across the country. Mm. Uh, they're not here. Uh, they're certainly yeah. not in New York. They're not at headquarters. Um, there are, they are your, in your communities, they're playing baseball, they're, you know, going to college and they're trying to put their kids through, uh, uh, you know, school. So like, um, that's where we sort of refocused our, our energy because that's where our, our we want to be seen as a, uh, national company, a global company that operates locally. And like, you know, you see the Pepsi trucks and the Frito-Lay trucks in your neighborhood. Like those are, they live there. Yeah. So like. Yeah. Um, thinking about it in those terms. So like we really started to focus a lot of our energy on the on more of the local level just because that's where our people are. We want to be more engaged in the community that way. So can you give us some examples of some of the projects that you guys have worked on in the local communities? And of course, you know that we're partial to the water, the water ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting, I was looking, about, looking at this this week and we've done a lot of cool things um, partnerships-wise through our foundation. But I think that the thing I like to highlight the most is how we've changed our business practices mm. based on water needs, like um, particularly because we use a lot of water. Yeah, um, yeah. We use a lot of water, not only for beverages, but also for agriculture. Um, and, you know, uh, thinking about like 
oranges for Tropicana and oats for oatmeal, potatoes for potato chips and all those things. So like we actually see ourselves as more of an agricultural company to begin with. Like 53% of our sales are snacks, not, mm. not beverages. So that is a key component to our overall business. Um, so figuring out ways to work with local farmers to reuse water, um, fixing irrigation problems. Um, also like putting water back into the system after we've used it, cleaned it and re-entry, re-entry. So like, that's the kind of cool stuff that like, I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, okay. Obviously like our water, like donation status when, when things go awry, whether or not it's a hurricane or a man-made disaster, like being able to come in very quickly and provide water um, is critical. That's, and that's something yeah. that we are we're happy to do. Um, but I think that the partnering with, uh, organizations at the local level to, to figure out and fix infrastructure has been cool. Flint, uh, Sacramento, um, uh, working thinking, working in Baltimore, like figuring that stuff out. That's the fun part. Uh, fun's the wrong word, but you know what I mean? Like that's like the, (laughs) that's that's the more impactful part because I think that's like real, um, impacting real people. I know we keep talking about like the local level stuff, but I really think it's important because, we're talking about kids who can't drink out of a water fountain in school. Like, think yeah. about that. Like, we, I never yeah. had that problem. Um, and that's just an automatic, that is an automatic systemic problem with education uh, and the growth and development of, of, of a child, period. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling me you got, I'm going to get off on a little tangent. Nope, but if you're telling, me if you have, you're telling me you have a kid in Detroit who can't drink the water and you've got a kid in, you know, Ann Arbor who can, like, what is the likelihood that that kid in Detroit is going to succeed in school versus the kid in Ann Arbor? And like how, and we're talking about like racial disparities when it comes to these things too. So I get really passionate about this because like everyone, everyone wants to like point to, you know, like, Oh, we need more money. We need more money for this, more money for that. But like, look, it's like basic infrastructure. And if we can fix that part, like that's a big, that's a big element of, of, uh, Fixing our education system. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Did you oh, just wow. become a water nerd? Just water like nerd. Tear water up a little nerd. bit. Yes. Kenny, yes. You don't even know you're a water nerd. Look at that. I just turned into water nerd. Yay. <laughs> Join the water nerd herd. Mission accomplished. Done. I'm done. I'm an advocate. There you are. I'm just gonna well, walk up to Capitol Hill right now. Right. You yes. know, uh, there may be still more of our peeps up there. I'm I pretty sure you have some influence. In yeah, I'm pretty sure so. you do. Well, and I love that you went the angle on agriculture because I mean, that is where the majority of our water use in America goes. So it's right. absolutely 100%. Uh, yeah, that's, it's w- fundamental to water use in America is making sure that we're optimizing the way that we do it in, in areas like that. Also, that's the, Sorry, go ahead, Steph. No, I've been my, interrupting you for 20 second, years. My second point was going to be dumb, so I would just let you do it. <laughs> no, I was just going to say I was surprised to hear that there are real oranges in uh, in Tropicana. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll take you to the plant. It's great. <laughs> it's my favorite tour that we, we do. It's in okay. Brayton, Florida. It's really cool. Okay. Like they take yeah. you through like the whole process. It's pretty cool. That would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I, I say, love champagne in my orange juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't make that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you, gotta, you have to bring that separate. I'll bring that. You yeah. bring the oranges. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that I think 
that uh, um, no, I was going to talk about like all these projects we do. The thing I love about this company, and I'm not, it's not a plug. You can edit this out, but like <laughs> it's all, it's all localized. It's like not a one size fits all thing. Yeah. And like so many companies and so many like organizations, these big foundations, they come in and say like, we're going to do it this way because this worked there. And yes. like, we just like don't do it that way. And you know, like Baltimore has a different problem than Flint. Similar, but it's different. Yeah. Um, and you know, rural, rural neighborhoods and, and rural places have different problems in urban. So mm-hmm. like trying to the one size fits all approach is like doesn't work. And uh, I, I really like the leeway that PepsiCo gives us to like figure out what works best for that particular community. And I'm not going to edit it out because hearing the, in, hearing the opinion of someone who works in that every single day, I mean, when there's, I mean, that just goes to, we face similar things having worked in government is people just have these assumptions of what government is and there's all these stereotypes of government employees. And, you know, there's right. always a little truth to some stereotypes, but corporate America has the same kind of stereotypes on them. Sure. And, and, you know, you guys get pigeonholed into certain things too. So it's nice to hear the good stories of when corporations are doing their part in making this world a better place, especially when related to a topic that we love. Yeah. It's so, real. Dig it. Dig so you it. Ready? We're going to go to a lightning round. <laughs> lightning uh, round. Yeah. yeah. Super quick. And Hope you're ready. Uh, be on your toes. Are you ready? I'm ready to go. Favorite okay. color? No. Purple. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. Ooh, go oh. frogs. frogs. Go frogs. That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Purple too, but not because frogs. Oh. Here we go. Okay, sorry. Um, what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? My favorite book right now, I am rereading What It Takes. It's about the 1968 presidential election. Oh. Uh, it's just like a fascinating, I'm sorry, 1988 presidential election and like it's about all these democrats who were running for president back then very similar to what we have now sure. um so like for me like i'm reading that right now just because like hmm. it's that time it's that season okay okay that season okay it's a long book what i'll just i can tell you what chapters to skip uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right what um what book what other book would you would you like to be reading if you weren't in this season <laughs> i like there's a book right now um out called educated it's um Damn it. i think i've heard of that yeah it's like her she's like basically what this story is um she was raised like in the like in the wilderness yeah and like had no idea about like what was actually happening in the real world like Ooh. i feel like, like this is a story about her yeah did you yeah. <laughs> maybe <laughs> like Which she didn't go to school she didn't go to school like up until like maybe she was like in her teenage years so I, maybe even later like but had no idea wow. about american history like just general like life yeah. so like the book is about her like being educated about like not knowing what the civil rights movement was or not knowing wow. like just basic stuff that we learned in school yeah That's i've heard I'm, of that I'm, okay i'll yeah. i'll google it and find out who the author is and put that in our show notes yep yep yeah i recommend okay. it or, okay. i mean i haven't read it but i recommend somebody read it <laughs> you're funny <laughs> yeah. what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity Work out every morning. Damn it. Yeah. You start doing every that morning. Every doing that. Yeah. It just like works. It just like gets my brain going. I know. And like, what, you time know, you wake up? Up? what time are you waking up to do this? 5.45. Mm. Dang, on the money. On 5.45. The money. It's just like 
from being an athlete, we used to have to wake up early. Oh, and go yeah, late, baseball, so, like, dude. Just kind of stick to it. You were number 32, right? 32 in the program or one in your no, heart? One in your heart. I was going to say, I still <laughs> remember that. I still remember that. Here. I almost said that in the bio, but I was like, I'm going to feel like an idiot if I, that's not the right number. That's right. So, yeah. so in Ariane and I's line of work, education, public outreach, uh, behavior change, we used to have people say, you know, what difference does it make if I make a change? I'm just one person. It's not going to matter. Um, but we... We obviously wholeheartedly disagree with that. We believe that change can be contagious, so like, sure. do it. Um, so what's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? Uh, voting. I mean... I kind of knew that that was... I, kinda I mean, it's, it's amazing. Voting is just so fun. So I, don't, I don't understand like, why people just don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I vote every chance I get. Fun. Uh, I just think that obviously that is something that can have an immediate impact on your, yeah. your way of life and but not locally just for, too, locally too, especially yeah. locally, but especially. not just for, not just you, but you're also voting for your children My and goodness, yes. you know, you're voting for the future, yeah. um, of your neighborhood, of your town of your city and state and country, like what direction that you, that you believe we should be moving toward. It, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. It makes Absolutely. a big difference. Okay. Agreed. I was gonna say, like now it's now it's so much easier with with La Google and all of that to learn about the people who are up for office. But are there a certain is there a certain like thing that you do or follow or sites that you go to yeah, get good question. to get um, educated oh. on, especially like on the local level too, or any level? That's a good question. Like I stay pretty up to date on uh, what's happening in Fort Worth and Austin. Texas in general, um, uh, Dallas Morning News, Fort Worth Star Telegram, um, Austin American Statesman. Uh, on like election stuff, I try to like do like blogs of blogs and and you know like a ver- wide variety of information. Um, like like five thirty seven. Um, gosh, of course I can't. I'm blanking on these things now, but you know like Axios for Politico. Um, Politico has like a great agriculture um, uh, newsletter, essentially. Um, it kind of gets you like just a different taste of like where, what people are thinking on the, the various spectrums of politics. Sure. So, Never in a million years would I think that my friend Kenny Thompson would be reading an agricultural blog. <laughs> well, we're, yeah, you know. Who, know. Who, I mean, it makes a knew? lot of sense. Katie, thank you so much for taking some time out and being with us here today. Yes, thank we you. loved hearing your perspective. Uh, hopefully it will be the first of many conversations we get to have to pick your brain about engagement and some of the great work that you're doing with PepsiCo. So we appreciate you taking the time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says. Those who tell the stories rule the world.